everyone and welcome to PR Not BS with me Fiona Scott. How are you today? I hope you're having a great day, a great week or a great month and I hope that today's podcast will give you loads of things to think about and will interest you in whatever you're doing, whether you're at work or you're out walking, running, driving in the car, however you consume your sort of chosen podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm joined by a client and a friend, Rachel Willoughby. I've known Rachel for quite a long time now. She's based in Gloucestershire. I'm not going to tell you anything else because I'm going to let Rachel introduce herself. So, Rachel, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great to be here. Right, I don't really know how to start to introduce myself. I, I guess some people would call me a serial entrepreneur. Personally, I hate that expression. <laughs> Basically, I'm constantly having business ideas. I've been running various different businesses over the past 20-odd years. So, um, yeah, I do love setting up businesses. I knew you originally for your software business, but we came into contact with each other more fully because you did something a bit different during lockdown. Take us through that, Rach. Okay, so when um, good old Boris Johnson announced that we were going into lockdown, literally 24 hours later, 50% of our client just suddenly pulled out or said oh, we can only spend half the money so we lost a significant amount of money overnight we still had things going out we still had um, lease cars on the drive we still had our, our expenditure was pretty much the same it was a little bit scary and then Elliot won about I don't know two days later we were actually lying in bed and he said well the people that are really going to make money out of this are those you know people that can pivot like takeaways like restaurants that you know start doing takeaways etc and I said to him, so, you know, people that do pizzas, for instance, he said, yeah, um, Elliot's been making pizzas for years and years and years to family and friends. And they have always said, um, you know, you should, you should sell these. And at the time, we were like, no, it'd be daft. You know, you'd have to sell an awful lot of pizzas to make the amount of money that we were making in the software company. So uh, we kind of dismissed it at that time. And then, obviously, with COVID, I said, well, maybe we should uh, sell a few pizzas then to make up the shortfall. And he was like, oh, I suppose so. And three weeks later, we had our pizza business ready to go. We were making them from the kitchen. And because obviously we've got the software skills, Elliot had um, got a website up and running and spun that up quite quickly. We did a bit of advertising on social media and we started selling pizzas, making and selling pizzas and delivering them to the local community, four mile radius. So, um, we actually thought it was going to be three months. And that was three, just over three years ago now. And we're still doing it. You were really clever in that you use your software skills to create a model that just worked and it wasn't impractical, was it, Rachel? Because you and Elliot thought, right, okay, two evenings a week, this is the maximum number of pizzas and people had to order in advance and you just made it easy for them. So walk us through that. What was the process that made it work for you? I mean, one other thing, I don't know, a pizza delivery is notorious for being late and delivering soggy pizzas lukewarm soggy pizzas so one of the things that we really wanted to make sure that we did is that our pizzas were always hot and always on time and so the way to do that we realized that if we were trying to have people just ringing up placing orders willy-nilly it was going to create big chaos um and so we decided that we could only make a certain amount of pizzas and at that time remember we didn't have a pizza oven we just had our normal kitchen oven so our pizzas at the time were taking I think we could get two in and they were taking 10 minutes each. So we, that, that was a time constraint anyway. So we knew we had to, so originally we only had six, we could order six pizzas every half an hour slot. 
Um, when we developed later on and actually got a pizza oven much, much quicker, we then extended it to like eight pizzas. But people have to choose a time slot um, and then choose their pizzas and bingo within a four mile radius as well because we worked out that if we went any further than four miles i could potentially have four different deliveries in four different directions which would be hard to deliver in the half an hour they wouldn't be warm there's a lot of people say oh my god i can't believe that your pizzas are piping hot when they get to us so that was like the the restraints and then ellie went away and and you know did his cleverness and stuff and uh devised a system whereby you can't you know once we'd sold so if we've sold, say, um, seven pizzas in that half an hour slot and somebody comes along and wants to order two pizzas, it will show them that slot is full and they'll have to go to the next one where they can get the two pizzas. And so that we weren't overrun. And we do now we're at the situation where the past three weekends we've been sold out before we officially open the shift at half five. So I'm now getting people ringing me up going, oh, I'm trying to order a pizza. And my response is they need to order it earlier. So we open the slots on a Monday. Um, but we've always wanted to get to the position whereby Ideally, by Thursday, we are totally sold out for the weekend and we're gradually creeping to that. And then we'll start extending the hours. You know, at the moment, we're only open half five to half eight. When we know that we're full and we get, we've got demand, we'll then go from five till nine and maybe possibly have another night. But we're just doing it gradually until we've put all the slots. You predicted what the problems might be from the outset to make it work for you. I think that's what's impressed me most about the way that you and Elliot have done this. And I've tasted your pizzas, and I haven't told you this, Rach, but I'm not actually a great lover of pizza. They <laughs> are just to die for. I don't know what Elliot a... does with the dough, and I don't want to know because I'm sure it's a secret. <laughs> but whatever it is, as a non-pizza lover, I could eat a ton of it. That's nice. Now we do actually have somebody else who said I don't, I, I don't do pizza, and she's now ordered four times, so she clearly does do pizza. <laughs> she does our pizza. <laughs> does your pizza? So, yeah. what were your thoughts when you did that? There are other companies where you live, even if though you've kept it what I would call hyper local, who deliver pizza. What was your thinking around the competition? To be honest, I never start a business thinking this won't work. <laughs> Otherwise, it won't work. <laughs> basically. <laughs> Funnily enough, my um, younger son is, uh, he wants to be an entrepreneur and stuff. My, and Elliot said to him, well, you need to have a plan B. And he actually turned around and said, no, Dad, because if I have a plan B, it means I don't believe in plan A. In our mind, well, my mind, there's no such thing really as competition because you make your service slightly different. So you're not competing necessarily. And if there's no competition, it means there's no demand to be fair so if, if you you know you think oh well nobody's doing this then you have to ask yourself why is nobody doing that because it could very well be with just no demand for it so i don't have a problem with com- competitors in fact i actively welcome them when because so since we started three years ago we've had three new pizza companies and bearing in mind we're a well, i said we're a village with the biggest village in in england i think there's twelve thousand people that live here so it's a fairly big village so we've had Domino's literally opened up about three months ago. At Fat Tony's 19, 13 months ago. I mean, I've actually put a post on the like the Cleve notice boards and stuff to say, welcome them. Because actually half the time people go, oh, I don't know, who are you? So by welcoming them and feeling all-encompassing, I'm actually getting awareness for our, our business as well. And, and they are totally different. Fat Tony's is probably the one we were slightly concerned about because they do do the more traditional style of pizza that we do in Neapolitans, whereas Domino's, in our opinion, is not a competitor whatsoever. We're just not bothered about them. But interestingly, Fat Tony's went bust last week. Not the whole Fat Tony's, just the, I think, this franchise. And the reason why I believe that they've gone bust is they didn't do any marketing. I live around the corner from them. I'm not seeing a single leaflet. 
I don't think I've even seen any social media posts or any Facebook ads. Number one cardinal sin and didn't market their business. I know I'm very much into marketing, Fiona. I know, I was going <laughs> to ask you about that because on the face of it, someone from the outside might look, well, you started a side hustle, it's gone well, it's paid for itself and um, it's profitable. Why would you push the marketing, say, by bringing in someone to do press relations and the amount of marketing you do? So talk us around your marketing strategy back in the early days when you started it and where you are now, Rachel, and, and why is it important? So when we first started, um, I was taking photos of the process. So once we decided that that's what we were going to do, I was literally on set up a page and sort of said, you know, this is what we're doing and had photos of, you know, the pizza boxes being delivered, the you know, the ingredients we were buying, kind of get a bit of an awareness and a bit of an excitement about it so we could do a launch. We did um, a test delivery. So I needed to know that, you know, that they would, they would travel okay, et cetera. So I got seven of my friends and I said, look, I'm going to send you a pizza on this particular day between this time. I think it was a lunch. I was like, it was a Saturday between three and four or something. And we're going to deliver in this order. All I would like from you is some feedback, you know, how it arrives, etc., and go onto social media and take some photos and, you know, talk about it. And that is literally what we did pre-launch. So there was a bit of a buzz about it on my on the business page and on my stuff, and we sort of kind of grew it from there. But we also um, had a leaflet drop just to make make people aware. But um, very first order was in Winchcombe. I was so excited to get it. It was actually on the on the day that we opened. Told a lot to Winchcombe, came back, and then Elliot said, "Oh, it's another order for Winchcombe." And it was the next door neighbour of the one that we just delivered. I went back to Winchcombe and they saw oh, we just saw your car. Nobody ever delivers to Winchcombe. So we delivered pizzas, got back, and there was another Winchcombe order. I thought, oh, I'm going to be going back. Winchcombe is like four miles away, but three and a half miles away. So it's on the edge of where we deliver. And, um, and that particular delivery wasn't anywhere near where I delivered the other two. I always try and ask a new person, how did you hear about us? If we've got leaflets, then we've got coupon codes on them so we know where they come from. But I said to this guy, oh, how did you hear about it? He's like, oh, my son's just had a pizza of yours. And that was the very first order. He said, he's just had a pizza and he's rung me up and said, you've got to get one of these, Dad. So a lot of it has been word of mouth. I'm really lucky that 60% of our customers come back and order again. We've actually got one customer's ordered 100 times. He spent over £2,500 on pizzas. <laughs> Looking at his Blimey. account the other day. I'm sorry, I've got to get a shoehorn this into our podcast. Rachel, that sounds like our August story, if he's willing to have a photograph. <laughs> well, I did talk to him about it, to be honest, and he wasn't keen on the photos. Oh, wow. I said, we don't have to mention the money side of it. He said, I know, but people will work out how much I've spent. We love him oh. anyway. We love him anyway for spending yeah. that money with you. You know, if someone was listening to this, because, you know, it, it, it is a UK-wide audience that I've got. You'll not, you'll be glad to know I have looked at the stats, so I'm aware of that, uh, heavily in the southwest. You know, they might think, well, I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I like cooking pizzas. I, I think I could do that with a bit of training. I think I could do that in my local community. It might fit. Mm-hmm. How can they get on board your brand, as it were, and consider whether they could do what you have done, what you have Elliot done in their own community. Okay, so we initially, as you know, we were going to franchise this concept out. We got it trademarked. I actually even have the um, all the legal stuff. So rather, Elliot's, he was worried about the brand and people not doing it the right way that we would want to do it and the reputation, etc. Which at the time I was like, oh, it'd be fine. But then, as you know, we've also just expanded a bit and gone and bought ourselves a nice looking trailer so that we can go and do weddings and parties and stuff. And then we thought, well, what happens if, say, we have a franchise in, like, you know, 15 miles away, 20 miles away, and it's not going great because they're they're not doing it properly? Then the reputation there, and probably we wouldn't get a booking, a wedding booking or a wedding booking, because it's all the same name. So then I thought, well, what we could do, though, is I'm quite a 
an online junkie, course junkie, um, perhaps we can create a course. So we've, we've got a couple of courses that we're thinking of doing. One is just going to be a general course on on um, how to make the best pizza, the best Neapolitan pizza in your home kitchen, just for your family and your friends. And then if people do that and enjoy, realise that they enjoy doing that, we're also actually going to extend that into a business on how to create a pizza business from your own kitchen. And it doesn't then there'll be add-ons like it doesn't have to be pizzas it could be a home baking it could be all sorts of different types of cuisine but what I'll be able to put into that course is all the stuff that I know about the health and safety and the food inspections and the tax and all the business stuff because you know I've set up a number of businesses even have an online business course which shows you how to and it doesn't matter what your business is it just shows you goes you through everything that you need to do it talks about the setup it talks about time management it talks about advertising marketing because um, that's the number one reason why businesses fail is the lack of marketing so um, instead of franchising out where it's under our name yeah we'll create a course and then people can do whatever name they want it to you know they do, yeah. do the course and then it's their business they're not tied into anything at all there'll be no franchise fees or none of that so that's the way we're thinking it's the way to move forward because I've spoken to about five or six different franchisee owners in diff- different industries and apart from one they all said it's a flipping nightmare and they wish they'd never done it mm-hmm. and I think well I want to retire in eight years and I don't want a load of hustle and a load of aggro and you know the constant worrying you know whether they're going to damage your brand so that's the that's the direction we've decided to go in I'm quite excited about starting that in September we've got the first lot of filming happening for the pizza course I think that's wise. Uh, I've dealt a lot with franchises, Rach, and given talks at franchise conferences. Also, I know you wouldn't have been like this, but if within franchises, um, franchisors can actually inhibit people marketing by being so restrictive around the brand that they can't be themselves. But I can see someone buying into your concept and paying you appropriately for a course if they loved pies or cupcakes. Mm-hmm. Do it in yeah. anything that's a bit broader. There is an idea there to offer, you know, more premium one-to-one mentorship if they wanted that once they've done the course or an add-on marketing. Because I think the marketing that I do for the pizza thing, you can knock onto any of the, the stuff that we do because there's all sorts of different things that we do with like loyalty schemes and uh, referral programs. So obviously there'll be marketing will be touched in the first one, but we'd say there's an add-on here of really how, exactly how to do your marketing effectively yeah Yeah. because you are brilliant at that and you do a a real mix don't you Rach of what I would call modern marketing you and I would understand as modern marketing digital marketing plus more traditional marketing with your leaflets and things how do you manage that do you think it's important to do both I I think it's absolutely important to do both because no not everybody is on social media at all and even when people are if got a leaflet I mean, obviously, some people just throw it straight in the bin. But that's more likely to stay around and hang around than um, a Facebook ad that just pops up in your feed and you scroll past it and it's gone. It's quite important to do a whole wide range. And it's also important to market to your existing customers as well, because it's actually easier to sell to somebody who's already bought once than it is to, to go to a different person. So that's why we have things like the loyalty scheme, where you reward people for the more that they purchase, the more different sort of discounts etc that they can have so yeah so it's a wide range and I, I find it fascinating I find it easier to sell something like pizza than the software side of things I don't know why but I think it's easier to have a big mix with like products than it is for a service because if you imagine most people like pizza so when you're throwing that through somebody's door putting a lease through somebody's door you're going to have a better hit than if, say, you're a service, say, web design. There's no point doing a leaflet or web design and sticking that around domestic, you know, into domestic houses because you you might, 
might get one person that happens to run a business and need that but it's very very rare so you have to you have to think about who your audience is marketing is all about knowing your product but more importantly knowing who you're selling it to so when you know who you're selling it to and you know the kind of person they are and what they're going to do that's when you decide on the kind of marketing that you're going to do but personally I think a mix is always a good idea you've had a degree of success you make a profit you know this can be rolled out in other ways you've toyed with and ditched a franchise model so when this goes out it should already be up and running that people can engage with you in different ways if they're interested in the model that you've come up with tell me how the trailer idea came about Rach again it was one of those off-the-cuff remarks really in our software company we've been we were working with we still are working with them a company that we've been working with for many many years and gradually over the past three years the personnel have changed and it's not quite as much fun shall we say to work with this company anymore and it's just becoming a little bit of a headache and I was like oh I'd really rather just just have pizzas but then we thought there is more of a market for pizzas at a place like a like a wedding at a, a more sort of like um what I'm trying to say more of an occasion I mean Elliot's original idea was to get a pizza trailer and just literally sit in a car park somewhere and blog them out (laughs) i'm not keen on that idea because it's weather dependent it's all sorts of stuff it's too much you know you might turn up there might be 10 you might sell 10 pizzas a night or you might sell 300 i'm not keen on the um not knowing that i'd get better figures than that so that's why i said well why don't we cover events but we need to have a really nice smart looking pizza it's not branded casa g's because (laughs) i know about um bridezilla's they want everything to match their colour scheme. So we turned up with a with a you know a bright green trailer saying Cassidy's pasta, but it might not have so much as appeal as the one we've gone for, which is just a nice classic chrome almost I can't remember the name of the, the brand of the American Airstream, um, is it Airstream? That's it, yeah. yeah. So it's a little yeah. bit airstreamish and, and that means we can go for the more sort of high end events like weddings or corporate dues or private parties whereby they are fully paid up in advance rather than you having to rely on people you know going to fairs and people buying pizzas from you and that means you can plan exactly how many clients that you need a month because you've got a rougher average order and that therefore knocks on to how much marketing you do and how you know how much you need to spend per lead for your marketing and that then opens up how many things you could do so yeah I, I like to have numbers and be able to sort of prove numbers rather than just turn up and hopefully flog a few pizzas that makes sense no it does make sense and it really highlights the difference between us because i tend to do something ad hoc and look at the numbers later you're obviously looking at the numbers first which is far more sensible so if someone wanted to book you for their events they've got coming up just lay it on the line for me what are the parameters right so we do about 35 to 40 mile radius from from Cleve, so that covers quite a few of the of the counties because it's a radius rather than the actual number of miles we say there is a minimum of 35 pizzas and a two-hour serving time so we will arrive two hours before because we need to get the ovens on we need to set it all up and we, we would actually need to start making some pizzas that we would then slash so you don't pay for that you just pay for the serving time and pizzas so our minimum order is 550 pounds but we also have salads we have pastries etc so we actually talk to the people and say right what would you like give them a bespoke menu and then come and set it up like a rolling buffet so what happens is so somebody may order so we had a school one last week uh, where they ordered 30 pizzas they had to come out within a fairly tight time frame of uh, half an hour but We've managed just about to do that, but it was laid on a table. And as the platter's finished, it's just constantly replenished from from the trailer. But it's a beautifully decorated table, so it looks the part. But then people can see Elliot making the dough, you know, well, not making the dough, but, you know, 
splashing it up, doing all this what he calls um, theatre stuff with the dough, so they can see that. We're not gas-fired or wood-fired. That's a whole new dimension of um, uncertainty to your stuff. Uh, it is electric. Nobody would actually know the difference. In fact, I personally prefer them because they're not burnt. Burnt, you know, if you're going to wood-fire, sometimes the um, we've had experiences when we've bought pizza where the bottom is burnt, the top is burnt, but it's it's not cooked in the middle because mm. <laughs> mm. it's, it's very hard to get wood-fired um, pizza correct all the time. So what we like to do is make sure we've got consistency with our products, which is why we do the electric. But yeah, the constraints, as I say, 35 miles, minimum of 35 pizzas and two hours. But if, you, if you're going to say to us, oh, I've got 100 people coming, we would generally say, you're not probably going to need 100 pizzas. You'll probably need four slices per person and some salads. So it's not the cost of 100 pizzas. But we would also say we can't do that in an hour or two hours. So you're going to be looking at three to four hour serving time. So you've got to pay that. And we're quite open up on our website. We, we say the costs because I know there's nothing worse than somebody put, filling in a, an inquiry form having absolutely no idea and be like, too embarrassed that they can't afford it. Or So we actually say we're £100 per hour serving time. Our pizzas are £10 to £12, so just go for £11. And, you, you know, you're probably going to be there about. Our salads range from 20 quid. Our pastries range, you know, plaster of pastries, 25 quid. So you've got a rough idea. But then when we'll talk to people and say, you know, what do you, exactly do you want? How many people are coming? We were going to do gluten-free, but I've been in contact with the um, Food Safety Agency, because we were originally just going to get some gluten-free dough balls. But having worked in the van last week for the school, I thought, you know what, there's just too much chance of contamination here. So, yeah, we can have separate pizza-cutting things and we can have separate boards, but it's such a small area, it's not worth the risk. Because I know that if some people really can't have gluten-free, they'll be seriously ill if they do, you know, there's any yeah, contamination. Yeah, yeah. We have decided to take the gluten-free aspect out the trade is not big enough for us to, you know, to not have that risk. But we, also, we can do vegan and we can do dairy, dairy intolerant, but we just can't do yeah. gluten-free. If you had to do gluten-free, it'd all have to be gluten-free, wouldn't it? Absolutely. It wouldn't work. Yeah. I woke up sort of in sweats the other night, thought, oh, I can't do that. No, <laughs> so, no. One of my other clients, Rachel, has just been diagnosed after years of pain as a celiac. And you get a tiny bit, especially when they stop taking gluten, if they suddenly have it, the implications then are much greater for them. So mm, I think I think yeah. it's a wise decision, though I totally get some people might be um, hacked off at that. But as you say, in a small operation like this, it's just, it's horrendously impractical for you. Yeah. Elliot's belief is more the fact that he doesn't believe there's such a thing as a gluten-free pizza. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, Elliot, you can have that debate behind the scenes <laughs> and uh, we won't have it here. Yeah. But um, anyway, Rach, it's been joyous to talk to you in more detail. And I, I already know you and how, how importantly you take marketing in all of its forms. But, you know, if anyone is interested in you, how can they find you? How can they find uh, Casa G's? Uh, the website, casagees.co.uk, that has all the event stuff on. And um, we will be putting up a, in fact, next week, we're going to put your holding page up. So if you're interested in the courses, you can sort of pre-sign up just for interest so that when we do launch them, we'll be able to email you out details. Yeah, just go onto the, onto the website. And um, and also, as I said, the event stuff's on there. If you're interested in looking and booking for um, a party of any shape or size, we'll come to your garden. Um, we just need an electricity supply um, or you might have a hotel or whatever. So, yeah, basically everything is kept under one hub. Now, when we were do, thinking of the franchise, we had a separate website. We decided to just keep everything under the Casa G's brand. So yeah, you can find us there. 
Thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, if you want to find me, I'm at scottmedia.uk or you can pop onto Facebook and join Fiona Scott's PR tribe. Just say you've listened to the podcast and I'll let you in. Um, I'm really, really looking for people who take marketing and PR seriously to be part of my community and my circle. Have a great day and thank you so much for listening and speak to you next time. Bye.